All right. All those uh, who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you'd uh, be so kind as to come on forward and join us uh, so you'll be able to go down, be led down by your leaders this morning. If you're a visitor with us this morning, again, I'll say this, uh, that uh, uh, we welcome your children, kindergarten through fifth grade. If they'd like to join, they'll be going downstairs for a lesson uh, while we're up here. Part, having a good time, partying and, and other things, just to let you kids know what happens when you're gone. So anyway, <laughs> all right. Here's the story of a lovely lady who was This is just to let them know that we are starting the party girls. now. All of them are you familiar with the song? How many was? How many of you were around when this this first came out? 1960, 1969, when this show came out. Anybody singing it yet? Oh, now, yeah, are you? <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that etches into your mind, and you know that well, right? The reason I'm playing that is this, this was at nine years old when this came out. This was my introduction to a, what a blended family looked like. And we're all thankful that it's almost done. I didn't know where to stop it. There it is. <laughs> Officially stopped. Brady Bunch was at, at, like I said, the introduction to a blended family. I, I don't think in my mind... I knew what a blended family was. Matter of fact, I didn't even know the term blended family even after the Brady Bunch came out. But that's a blended family. Now, uh, I, I began to think over the scriptures. You know, is there any such thing as a blended family? The closest, I think, was a blended family was in the Old Testament scriptures where there was polygamy going on. You know, we'd have several wives, one, one husband, and all these children were identified, for instance, this is Rachel's children, this is Leah's children. You know, they begin to, to, to have all those. So, so a blended family was, was made up like that. Now, it, this could be debatable. Please, you know, it's not, not, no reason for a big debate. But in some ways, I began to think, from even Joseph's perspective, was Jesus born into a blended family? <laughs> he wasn't born into a blended family, but did Jesus make this a blended family? Joseph's perspective. Okay, this is why I'm even thinking that. Joseph's perspective is Mary, my wife, Jesus, his son. Not my son, his son. You see, Jesus was actually in all legalities, Jesus was the son of Joseph, but not biologically. Not biologically. Jesus was not the biological son of Joseph. And so I, I thought blended family. We're, we're actually looking at the, the Christmas story. And, and in that, to, to look and read about the details behind the very beginnings of Jesus, we're looking at the books of Matthew and, and the book of Luke. Uh, Mark and, and John started completely different, you know, later in adult years. But Matthew and Luke is where we go to to see the very beginnings of Jesus, his birth and his, his, his beginnings in, in that birth. Uh, Luke, it's interesting to look and find out Luke focuses upon the announcement that is made to Mary. Hey, you're going to have a child. Matthew 
focuses upon Joseph and that announcement that's made to him. And that's where we're looking this morning. Matthew chapter 1, starting verse 28. We're going to read that account, and our focus this morning is upon Joseph and the announcement that was made to him. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. We begin there. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Last week we talked about Herod. We talked about Herod in this series of moments of truth. And this week we're looking at this man, Joseph, uh, because there is a specific moment of truth that is brought about in his life in the coming of Jesus. And it hits really close to home for Joseph because it comes through his bride, Mary. Now, the, the word that actually comes to mind when I think about Joseph in this story, Joseph doesn't really say a whole lot. Uh, matter of fact, even after the story of Jesus and, and as he's growing up, he is, he is mentioned very little past the beginnings of Jesus' life. So the, the detail that most comes out in, in this story concerning Joseph is his submission. How he, how he submits before God uh, in, in his circumstances. So, so our thought, our, our theme this morning is in that submission. Uh, we're we're going to look to see what we can learn uh, in, in Joseph through his submission before God. So first of all, we learn this, that through his submission, Joseph became a part of God's salvation story. Simply that. We see Joseph taking his place in God's salvation story through his submission. I want us to understand a little bit about this Time, this specific time when all these announcements are being made between Mary and Joseph about the coming of Jesus and his birth. Again, very personal for them. Um, In this, uh, it's during their engagement, what would be known to us as an engagement. For for them, it's called a betrothal. Probably more the technical term is a betrothal. And, and uh, for us, an engagement begins when that young man uh, gives a ring to, to his would-be bride, right? And for us, that, that seems to be the beginning part of engagement. You know, Linda and I had actually talked about marriage. I knew she was all for it. 
I wasn't sweating bullets when I gave her. I was kind of still because it was, a, you know, I gave her the ring and she was elated. Now we could officially speak about our, we're engaged because she bears a ring. There's, there's some similarities in, in the betrothal and, and what we know as an engagement. The big difference is that all the legalities of that, there is actually uh, the couple comes into a, a contractual period, legally contractual, uh, that, that is binding. They, they actually come into that at the betrothal. For us, you know, we sign all the documents at the wedding. But for them, all that legally binding uh, documents and actions took place well, you know, at, at the beginning of their betrothal. She actually becomes, this is, this is your wife, you're the husband, but the wedding comes much later. I, you know, I can't give you a figure as how long. I know up to a year, possibly. Now, what's interesting is that, that legally binding, to, to tell you a little bit about that, the groom does give, present a gift to the bride that, that shows his, reveals his commitment to her. But also the parents are involved. Uh, for instance, the groom's parents give what's called the bride's price. They pay a bride's price where the groom's family gives an amount of money to the bride's family. And, and, and that, that's part of this, this building this contract, an agreement not just between bride and groom, but between each of the families. There's also an amount of money that is given from the groom's family. From the, from, from the father of the bride, he presents, whether to the groom or to the bride, either one, he, he presents a, an amount of money to them, which is actually to help in the startup of, of their new home. So, so all money's exchanged, contracts are signed. These two uh, are, are legally bound for their wedding, but they're not married yet. That's where we find Joseph and Mary. Could you imagine in, in Joseph's married? And in Mary, they're both looking forward to uh, that wedding day. In the wedding day, here's what would take place. Here's what they're expecting. Uh, wedding day, the, the, the groom would leave his home and go to the bride's home to, to collect her, <laughs> to pick her up. And then escort her back, because he didn't have an Escalade or limousine or, to rent or anything like that. I don't even know whether a donkey was involved. But anyway, he would go pick her up, and they would make their way back to the groom's home. And, and there, uh, on that wedding day, there was a room prepared where they would consummate their marriage. And then, following that, there was a celebration. Now, if there was words spoken, prayers given, it was probably, probably part of that celebration. No ceremony, what we would think of ceremony, it was part of that feast or that celebration where words were exchanged and, and thought over. So, so that was marriage. That's what Joseph and Mary were looking forward to. In that engagement, that betrothal period, Mary, Luke will show you that Mary receives a visit from Gabriel. And, and Gabriel says, you're going to, to have a baby. You're going to uh, conceive and give birth to a son. Uh, you're, you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. He's going to be the king over Israel. You know, take that throne of David, which is from her family, from Joseph's family. And, and so she received that message. She comes back with, well, how is that possible? It's going to be through the Holy Spirit. 
And, and along with that message, important to this, is he also shares with it, hey, your cousin Elizabeth is now six months pre- pregnant. And so after she finds that out, while she is pregnant, she makes her way to Judea. Here she is in Nazareth. She makes her way to Judea. Again, not in an Escalade or any other kind of vehicle. She makes the long journey to Judea. It takes a little while. To be with Elizabeth, who at that time, when it was announced, six months pregnant. And she stays with Elizabeth for three months. You do the math. I think, I think Mary was present there when John the Baptist was born. In the process, Mary herself is three months pregnant. And she makes her way back, after, after John is born, she makes her way back to Nazareth. Again, it takes a little time. We're even thinking by the time she gets back. And, and you know, in, in figuring, we're thinking that, that Joseph is revealed, it's revealed to Joseph that Mary is pregnant. Now, I don't know how, whether Joseph begins to notice the four-month pooch. I don't know. I was hoping, is anybody here four months pregnant? You know, I was going to go to the closest, but no, I'm not going to go there at all. But anyway, there, there, there's beginning to, just at the beginnings of showing, I believe. You know, but, but in their garments, it could have still been held. In, in some thinking, I believe that Mary knew that it was going to become more and more visible as time went on. So she shared, now that she's back at home, she shared that information with Joseph. And Joseph's response, even might even included, hey, the Lord came to me and told the whole story and and uh, which would be hard to swallow, yes. And Joseph was crushed. Are you with me? Looking and anxious for that wedding day, and now I have a pregnant fiancé. Yeah, I, I, you might know stories that that has happened. And yeah, in our ugliness, sinfulness, that is in this world. But for Joseph, the scripture says that he's a righteous man. I want you to understand that. Joseph was not a perfect man. Oh, he did everything right. But what he did do was act upon the law. And the law said that if you have an adulterous woman, you present to her a certificate of divorce. And so he was righteous in his thinking. I will present to her that certificate of divorce. But also, which I believe reflected God, I'm going to do it quietly. What? Which reflected, I believe, mercy from him. It reflected mercy, which was so much unlike the group of Pharisees. Later, when Jesus was presented the woman of adultery, what did they want to do? They wanted to stone her. He said, ah, well, this is what we expect. You know, with, because of the law, it says you know, what she deserves is, uh, you know, let's pick up. You start throwing Jesus, and Jesus did not. He showed mercy. Well, Joseph, his legal father, did not choose to make this public spectacle and, and reveal a bitterness in his heart and, and be wrathful in any way. Instead, he shows, chose mercy. And his plan was to dismiss her quietly. But that night, he himself had a, a vision in a dream from an angel that said, Hey, she is pregnant only through the Holy Spirit. This is miraculous. She has been faithful to you. She has not been unfaithful in any way. She has not been with anyone else. And, and, and he said the same thing as, you, as we read. You know, you're going to call his name Jesus, and we're going to call him Jesus because he is going to be a savior. And he's going to come into this world. And the, and, the, and the direction from the angel is, go ahead and take Mary into your home. Meaning, you go ahead 
and, and whatever kind of ceremony. It doesn't say, but Joseph goes ahead and brings her into his home, and they become legally man and wife, although they, they do not consummate that marriage until after Jesus is born. That's, that's the, the, the message we hear today. Uh, Joseph uh, submits to this direction to go ahead and take Mary. He takes Mary into his home. She becomes his wife. And we know as well he becomes that father, that, that worldly father, that earthly father, legally uh, on Jesus. And he's there to raise him. It had to be a difficult task to raise the Son of God, right? You know, you've heard that, you know, think, how, how do you di- discipline the Son of God, by the way? Yeah, you think there might be difficulties? And uh, Joseph, I don't know whether he thought about that. He said, well, let me see. If, I, if it was my own son, I would spank him. You know, 12 years old, they lose him for two days. Going back, what's going through Joseph's mind? Jesus, uh, he, left, he needs to be disciplined somehow. And, and they find him, and what does Jesus say? He said, well, hey, I've been in my father's house. Why couldn't you find me? Well, what do you do with that? You know? Uh, anyway. Uh, the, the idea, and, and it's clear that, that Joseph has been obedient. And it falls in a long line of others who are obedient as well in this. That submits to God. Mary submits. Uh, Zachariah submits. Elizabeth submits. And, and, and each one is a part of this, this, uh, this beginning story, this Christmas story that we celebrate. Now there's a, a couple of things as we move on uh, that we learn from concerning submission. There's faith in that submission. Submission to God is our faith in action. It really is our faith in action. Paul uses uh, Abraham to emphasize the fact that it's our faith that, that is so connected to our salvation. That brings about righteousness in, in our lives. It's, it is believing. It is following after what God directs us. It is our submission that, that, that action of our faith, that submission, that brings us to that point. Submission is actually two words connected together in, in the actual translated word. Uh, one of the words means to yield, and, and the other one means to come under. And, and so together, what it means is that when we submit, what we're doing is placing ourselves under God's direction. That was Joseph. That is Abraham. Uh, you think about Abraham and, and why Paul used him as an example. Uh, God told Abraham to go. And, and we think about that. You know, uh, matter of fact, what he said, he commanded him, you leave your country, you leave your people, you leave your father's house, and you go to a land I will show you. And, and Abraham packed up and went. And that's part of what, what, God, what Paul was pointing out. He said, man, it was faith. It, it, there was a righteousness in Abraham because he did exactly what God called him to do. And even more so, Later on, when finally Abraham and, and, and Sarah had that son where he produced, you know, he promised to produce a nation. Finally, they had Isaac. And what did God do but, but to tell Abraham, hey, go sacrifice your son. And Abraham did the same thing even in that sense. It was his faith in action, his submission that had him take his son and, and, and go to a place of sacrifice, bind him up, lay him on the altar, had his arm up in the air with a knife in his hand, ready to sacrifice Isaac until he was stopped by an angel. There was faith in action. Now Joseph, Joseph, we, we compared that, but, but when, when the angel said of the Lord said, hey, take Mary into home, it was movement. 
You know, there's a difference, but you see the great work, and, and man, it's a harder place to be to, to, to sacrifice your son to, hey, uh, this was for Joseph. The, the, the lady that you were about to marry, you were anxious, uh, you're going to marry a pregnant lady. There's some thought in that. There's some things taken away from Joseph that maybe he was, his expectations were there. And, and, and also another expectation that was probably there is desire your own son or, or to, to bring forth your, your firstborn son. That was, for, that was a privilege amongst Jewish men, the significance of, of that son that's going to carry on the name. That was significant. And in a way, was that taken away from, from Joseph? It's a simple thing. But there was submission uh, laid out in Joseph's life. Uh, in our lives, we're called to submit. What we, witness, what we witness today is Ethan submitting, submitting before God. It, it came in our beginnings, right? And when we're called to repentance, that is a recognition of our sins, and we submitted before God and admitted to our sinfulness, our brokenness, and, and declared our need for, for Jesus as our Savior. And we submitted, you know, Ethan today submitted in that form of baptism. Many of us have, have, have done that as well. In our beginnings, it was repentance. It was a, 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 an action of our faith to step into baptistry and, to, and, and through that, symbol, you know, do that receiving of Jesus. You know, in the symbolism of, of his death and his resurrection. And, and so we had our beginnings in submission, but our life continues in, in submitting to Christ, submitting to what God has called us to. Isn't that true? I mean, when we come to worship on Sunday morning, who are we but people who submit before God? Not just, you know, because we come here to submit, we're worshiping, but it's to submit to him in our everyday. Isn't that right? Uh-oh, let me start over. It's a story. No, no. <laughs> Are you with me? Do, you, do we understand that if you are a follower of Jesus, here's what Jesus said. If you're going to follow after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. What is that except to use that word submission? Our lives, we live our lives in submission to God. We live our lives in submission to God through Jesus Christ. He saved us, and now we lead our lives for his behalf. He's opened the door for us. It is a good place to be. Do you think Joseph agonized? Oh, man, the things that I have lost. I, I married a pregnant woman over again. Do you think he grieved over that? For Mary, there was a celebration. We see it. There was a rejoicing, a song of Mary. Man, God is producing his Savior through me. How, how wonderful. And she felt privileged. I, I have a feeling that Joseph had his own song. Though it's not printed, there is a rejoicing that's going on. Why? Because it is good to submit before God. It is, it is a good place to, to, to find that place to serve him. Why? Because, hey, we're called to love him. And, and matter of fact, he gives us a reason to love him, right? There's so much, Ethan, Ethan, are you listening? There's so many reasons for us to love Jesus because of what you did today. Oh, man, isn't that right? To, to say his sins are removed and that he has a life to live on behalf of Jesus and learning to live and to love him in this life is exactly where we're left to. 
It's, it's where we're brought to. We're here today because we love him because he sent his son to die for us. Woo! Or, or, yeah, yeah. That, but let me, let me tell you, in this life, the, the third point I want to emphasize for you this morning is, is that, that submission to God will cost you personal expectations. I mean, there were some personal expectations that were sacrificed for Joseph. And, and matter of fact, that's the word I want to talk about. Our lives are lived sacrificially before a God who deserves everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we've even attained or feel like we've attained ourselves. Everything could be given up to a God who has given us his all. And our lives, you know, for again, to think about Joseph, you know, uh, to have a pregnant lady, to be raising a son that, that's not his, I, I, I do think there was a rejoicing and not a resentment in Joseph's life. See, God is not that way. Boy, I'm going to force you into this. And, and our God is a loving God. That, that as we submit to him, there is a sense of rejoicing in our lives that we have the opportunity again to serve him. So what, it, what place do you have? When we think about this idea of submission, uh, it, there is that idea of what we're doing together as, as part of submission. But individually, God calls it. I mean, Joseph out of it, there's only one person that, ever, that is ever going to be called to be legally the father here in, in this world of Jesus. Now, we're not going to be called to do that. But, but here's, here's the truth. That, that if you have received Jesus, if you're part of Jesus, you're a part of his salvation story as well. We're all part of this salvation story that continues to work on. And, and through our submission, there's places that, that you are being called to that I've never been called to. There's places that, that you have opportunity to minister, to be a part of, of that kingdom, and to be submitting before God. We had an example of, of a couple here just a few weeks ago. Jared and Stephanie Hinky. Remember them coming? Perhaps you were here. Uh, here is a young couple that, that had to go to their parents and say, Hey, Mom and Dad, uh, listen, uh, Stephanie and I, you know, they were already married, uh, beginning to have grandchildren. Uh, Stephanie and I and the grandchildren were moving to Japan because we want to go plant churches on behalf of Jesus. Submission. Submission. And, and if you talk to Jared, he is thrilled about what he's doing. He's thrilled about what he's doing. Uh, Linda and I, we didn't know this, but when, when we had our, you know, we thought about working with churches and things like that, we didn't know what God had in mind. But for seven years, we were brought into a youth home and we added 12 kids into our family, all in one house. Linda didn't realize she was making meals for you know, 14 people every day, and, and we raised, you know, for seven years, you know, 12 kids in our family. We didn't know that that's where we were going to end up. My expectations definitely wasn't that. I, I think I always told Liz, yeah, I want to have seven kids. Well, bloomed to 12 for a period of time. Anyway, uh, you th we think about those within our congregation that have opened their home. Have, have adopted or brought in uh, foster care children, which is much needed. Think about it. The opportunity to bring a child in to see you loving Jesus in your home. What a great opportunity. Man, if you come to me, would you ever encourage you? Yeah, I, hands down. I would encourage you if you have a place and an opportunity to take a child in your home. We have 
people within the congregation you could talk to that, that have done that. People in their positions who are loving Jesus in their positions and see it not just as a, a, a job, an occupation, but see it as an opportunity for kingdom to love people and, and to love the people around them and, and the services they provide. Ministries in this community that need people to come along and do that. Open door, the food pantry, pregnancy service center. We have folks here that have connected through that great ministry. You see, it's, it's not just about being saved. That submission continues on as we find our place in serving him and loving him. Matthew just announced, uh, here was it last week or the week before, about a need. Uh, three, three through fives, that age group, man, boom. We've got, what, 18 kids back there at one time. That's the most I've heard. What's that? How many? A thousand kids. Ah, well, that would be great. <laughs> But, but there, there's a lot of kids back there. And, and, man, Matthew said, we just need people to step up. And if, if you're willing to, to help in that area, we, we need help. And, and when you hear that and you say, man, I could do that, but then don't go to that place as, well, I'm too busy. I got this and this and this to do. Talk to someone. Find those places of ministry. There's a lot to do. And, and I'm not just talking about here in Connected Ministries because ministry is happening everywhere. And God could be calling you to, to something within your work or, or maybe in, into one of those ministries outside Open Door or others that I've mentioned. Uh, man, we have an opportunity. That's where we grow as we step forward in faith, when we step forward in submitting before him. Uh, I'm going to end there and, and just think about this. Think about this. Just as Joseph had his part in the Christmas story, oh, could you imagine that, that uh, his place of, of, of finding out that your bride is pregnant and then they find out that God's been involved in this and you are called to raise the Son of God. Woo! He was part of that, that Christmas story. But you are too. You are too. And, and in that, we, we are called to submit to him. You're, you're called to, to, to place your faith and step forward. And is it uncomfortable? Absolutely. But step forward and, and, and find that place of ministry or be part of that place of ministry. Part of the kingdom. And, and does that mean sacrifice? And I will tell you the hard thing is, the answer is absolutely. Give up my stuff. Give up my time, give up my comforts? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why? Because Jesus gave everything up on your behalf so that you could be cleansed and holy and, and prepared for his kingdom. With that, I'll take a woo-hoo. Uh, equivalent to amen. Anyway, it is about joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for this time of year, Lord, when, when all around us people are thinking about Christmas. Lord, we know the story. We know the coming of the Savior. And Lord, may we not be just 
distracted by the things of this world that come up and, and, and all the details of this. May we not fail to come before you in this time and give you praise for the coming of Jesus. Lord, it's not just about the cradle that we see, but we also are so aware of the cross that is evident in this time of year. The fact that he came to die on our behalf. Oh, Father, we are privileged to people to be called your children, and that only happens through Jesus. God, we praise you, and we ask that you be our strength in stepping forward in faith and in submitting to you, to your call, to your purpose in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.